Hey, what's up? It's Avery here. Well, I guess who else would it be? It is my own show. <laughs> you see, my show is on platforms like iTunes and Spotify, and you may wonder, how do I get my show on these platforms? Well, I do it through an app called Anchor. It's free to download, and you can use it on your phone or on your laptop. And it also comes with creation tools that let you edit your show. You can also make that sweet moolah with your podcast with no minimum listenership. So, want to get started? Download the Anchor app on the Google Play Store or Apple's App Store. Or go to anchor.fm. It's that easy. Hey, hey, y'all. Last November, I taped a fun interview with my friend, Samantha Chang from the Broadcast, Podcute, and Yahoo Sports Canada's Zone Time Show. Since taping, a lot has changed with the Vancouver Canucks, so just want to put that note out there. But also, Sam and myself got into topics pertaining to discrimination in the world of hockey, the Blackhawks, and Kyle Beach. As a result, I must say, listener discretion is advised. Without further ado, on to our podcast. Yo, yo, yo. What is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome back to Avery Sports Show. I'm here in Toronto right now doing some hockey helping coverage, but I'm joined by the one and the only Sam Chang from Broadcast, Podcute, and of course, Zone Time on Yahoo Sports. Sam, how are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good, good. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And for the record, this is actually a retape because lucky me, my <laughs> old hard drive failed on me completely. So this is a redo of our last time. Uh, first things first, I got to ask you. Being the Canucks aficionado, just what are your thoughts on this team right now? The, the penalty kill is under 70% right now. You tweet out, uh, I think yesterday, they've allowed 19 goals in their past three games, which included two games which they allowed seven goals in back-to-back affairs. Just lovely time to be a Canucks fan, isn't it? Isn't it always a lovely time to be a Canucks fan? <laughs> I mean, like, people are, I, I guess they're like a lot worse than people expected, but I, I also didn't really expect them to be good. I thought right now they would be a middle-of-the-pack team. I didn't think they'd be only better than Seattle. And this team can't keep the puck out of their net. There's no consistency at all. And somehow, some way, Jim Benning's job is, at least for the time being, still secure somehow. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's kind of unbelievable. And, like, it's pretty funny because I think there's a segment of the Canucks fan base that was pretty convinced that this was going to be a contending team because on paper, the top nine looks really good and is probably one of the better groups in, in the league. And like, yeah, I, I guess the top nine should be, should be better. But like, when you look at the overall roster and you look at that blue line, like, I don't know how anyone could have reasonably thought that they would be challenging for first in the division. And I, I agree with you. I thought they would be middle of the pack. And I think that to the extent that it's, the players not gelling or just not performing or it's the coaching. I think even if all those things were going right, they would still just be a middle of the pack team. And I, I don't know how anyone can be satisfied with that after eight years of the same GM. Right. It's really odd. And even the playoffs twice during his tenure, they made it past the opening round. You know, um, one time in your tenure, any other market in the league. And he would be fired. He's traded he's- away two first round picks. Two. <laughs> For this team. I I don't understand. And you know what, Sam? I think this franchise is going to make Travis Green, who I like as a head coach, a scapegoat, as a way to say, see, we did something. 
when the problem goes a lot higher than just coaching. I agree. No, it's been a it's been an audio. You mentioned you mentioned the blue line. I guess I gotta say it right here. We know it's been discussed. It's been discussed, you know, in the rumblings. But Travis Hamlinick, oh boy, that is an odd situation. Which of course he wasn't in training camp at first. He's not in Abbotsford. He didn't play the Canucks and come down to his vaccination status. This is by far so far the most bizarre story. And uh, I'd say any team is here, Sam, with his status of vaccination and not playing and not being around the team. It's bizarre. <laughs> The reaction to this in this market has been so strange because I think for the, for the most part, this is a fan base that has been like very pro vaccination. Like they had a very bad COVID outbreak last year. And I think because for whatever reason, the franchise came out and I, I, I think they, they realized how badly they needed to have at least one more NHL defenseman on that blue line. They weren't, it wasn't like, with Mackenzie Blackwood or with Tyler Bertuzzi, where the team was like, yeah, he's just not getting vaccinated for whatever reason. They made it this like super vague thing and suggested that if you, if you questioned at all, why he wasn't at camp or why he wasn't playing yet, it was an invasion of his privacy and like a mental health issue, which like part of me is like, yeah, that, I guess that's kind of fair if that's true, but it's also like, we now do in fact know he was not vaccinated. And so to me, for a team that like holds itself out as champions of mental health initiatives and like has somebody like Tyler Mott in the mix, like it's a bit disingenuous to frame it that way. Um, and to make make the issue of vaccination like a mental health issue, like I find that really deeply irresponsible and actually frankly really irritating when you've just handed out a $9 million contract to the guy. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, he wasn't on this road trip because he can't cross the border because he's not fully vaccinated. And we actually do know that Ian McIntyre said that on the radio to Jeff Merrick this morning, it was a vaccination issue. And this like this idea that they turn around and was like, oh, it's inappropriate for the fan base to, to be critical that he's not vaccinated. And like, it's an invasion of his privacy when there are like clearly other players who are unvaccinated, who have been treated the same way is it, it just, it's, Everything that irritates me about this franchise, the management and organization where they are perfectly happy to scapegoat their fans for their own failures. And it makes no sense. Like we don't have any control over whether or not he gets vaccinated. We don't have any control over whether or not he has a $9 million contract. You made that decision. Right. It's not on us that we can now criticize it and be like, you like gave a massive contract to a guy who can't play and then didn't even report to the farm team for the three games that his actual team was in the u.s for like it makes no sense i really don't understand that it's very odd and you mentioned uh, mckenzie blackwood and you mentioned tyler bertuzzi like for me if i'm all the money that these guys are making right now i wouldn't risk it i wouldn't risk the money he's making or tyler or like a tyler bertuzzi he doesn't want to get vaccinated so he can't cross the border he's missing out on four hundred thousand dollars that to me isn't that to me is ridiculous that he's he, not like a good enough player to be <laughs> missing out on that amount of money like he's not Connor mcdavid he doesn't have like endless amounts of endorsements like that just blows me away that you can turn that kind of money down because you're right sam like he is not that kind of guy who will yeah have endless deals like a mcdavid like a marner like a matthews like a dry side etc 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 he's um uh you know a uh, very good player on detroit but he's not a household name so like that's the thing where it's like wow and it- it's also like these are guys who who like regularly play through injury and who willingly put themselves in positions to get concussions who and you know 
not speculating on who has or hasn't used painkillers in the NHL, but I think we all know it's a prevalent issue. And the idea that, oh, now because it's a vaccine, I'm concerned about what I'm putting in my body or what I'm doing to, to my body. Like it's, it's not consistent with any other part of your career. It is not. I guarantee there are a few players who listen to the Jorgen podcast like Aaron Rodgers did and take the advice from from Rogers or, or from Shailene Woodley medicine. <laughs> that was just ridiculous very stupid situation right there Sam so I want to ask you to talk to you about broadcast one of the best hockey podcasts I've been on it was an honor to be your first guest on the show um, last year during the 2020 bubble season and it is a hockey show that out in Vancouver you yourself and your co-hosts have done and you tackled issues like hockey's culture problems racism homophobia sexism and what is it meant to be a show that is around the hockey world hasn't received so much accolades because I go online I see your comments people are saying thank you for the podcast it was much needed you touch on topics that most of the people in the hockey world don't even get within a thousand feet of touching on a weekly basis it's been it's been a really interesting experience um I don't think we started like we started off with the intention of making a podcast that was super inclusive and created a safe space for fans to be fans how they wanted to and maybe not not in the mainstream way that most hockey podcasts are intended to be um but I don't know that we I don't know that we really set out to be <laughs> voices in, in that respect. Um, so it's, it makes, it's really fulfilling when we see people say like, you've made, you've made a difference for me. I was starting to like fall, like lose interest in hockey. And, you know, I feel like this gives me a community. And I think that's been the best part of it is, you know, interacting with people who listen to us, but also watching them interact with each other and like talk about the episodes. That's been, that's something that for me is really, really fun to see um, because I feel like we're building a different kind of hockey community. Um, And I don't see us as like being the builders of it. I think it's just, we're just filling a need that was there that people just didn't have. Um, And I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to put into words. It's, it's a very, it's been a very strange year, um, but a fulfilling year. I agree. And you know, it's like, there are people out here who, who try and, who, who try and tear you down, who try and tear down Georgia, Vanessa, Mallory. I just see how, for one, you have great clapbacks. You have incredible insults. Anybody who comes and tries to insult you and your podcast members. I get and more mad when someone else is insulted than when I'm insulted. <laughs> Like I do it for myself anyway, but like it, I'm like a way more angry when it's like some, someone coming after Mal or Vanessa or Georgia. Which like, and, and the thing is too, like, it's the same people who have no creativity. You see the same garbage over and over and over again. I think it's great because you are challenging the patriarchy. You are challenging the structure of the hockey culture that people are afraid to change because the sport of hockey, we don't, we don't know everything has to happen. And there's people out there who feel so threatened that um, all women-led podcasts have the nerve to continuously discuss the failures of how the Blackhawks mishandled um, their situation with Cal Beach and 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 um, Brett Aldridge and the, and the John Doe too. And so many sports shows, you know, let it die out. But you all have not let this die out. You've addressed the culture. You've addressed racism. And I I think that's that's really the issue here. Is I think that the more shows we have, like the broadcast or like Zone Time, mm-hmm. where where the people on it who are talking about it are not you know, your traditional hockey fan base, Yes. the more comfortable we get having these conversations 
because we're all coming at it from a different angle. We've all grow. We've all, we all love hockey. I, th- I think that's the thing that people misunderstand the most. They're like, Oh, like you don't even like the sport. It's like, no, I actually really like the sport. I would love to be able to enjoy the sport the way you do, where you don't, uh, you apparently don't face any of these issues where you're like marginalized or have to like ignore half your identity so that you can watch an exciting game. Like it's great for you that you can do that. But what I would like is for everyone to be able to do that. Um, and I think that the more shows we have like zone time and broadcast and the more we have these conversations and people become empathetic to it and actually think about the ways we can make hockey inclusive for fans and for players. And just generally, I I just, I don't see how that's bad for the sport. Like that's the only way it will actually get bigger than its existing fan base, which is actually quite small. No, of course. You mentioned you mentioned Zone Time, the show that we do on Yahoo Sports, hosted by Julie McKenzie, hosts the rotating panel with yourself, me, Omar, or I have Justin Cuthbert, some of the other people who come on and are part of the panel. And the great thing with Zone Time in that it's probably one of the very few hockey shows out there in the world where, for the most part, the panelists majority are women of color and men of color. The traditional, it's not a podcast where you're going to find a ton of white faces talking hockey. And you mentioned like the pushback. I remember, I think it was our Logan Mayu video we did, where I'm pretty sure that video, we had the comments on there saying, you know, oh, these blacks and an Asian and a Middle Eastern, what do you know about hockey? Because Justin was a white man, he's on Middle Eastern. But it's like, like, just like the- That was the funniest one. <laughs> I just thought like, okay, well, these just the- what, is he Italian? Like, what is Justin? Do we know what his background yet, Justin? Do we know what his um, heritage is? I don't. Like, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> they gotta ask him to find out. But yeah, like, can we see how people are? That's the brazen to say to me, like, you know, oh, what do these blacks and Asians know about hockey? Like, probably a hell of a lot know more than you do. Yeah. Way more. <laughs> yeah. Like, what does that have to do with anything? Right? Like, I've said before, people, if you don't like anything I say in terms of, like, just from a hockey perspective, you know what is what is. You don't like my writing, what I say about a, a team or a player, whatever, is what it is. But you gotta be a piece of garbage to attack my color as a reason why I shouldn't be talking about a, on a hockey show. Like, that's yeah. embarrassing. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and, and this is where these shows try and challenge the structure because I look now at hockey, I look at who makes up the hockey faces. I'm seeing... I'm seeing now we have the diversity is starting to grow, but it's still nowhere near enough as compared to say the NBA or the NFL or baseball. Like we still don't have a uh, president of operations or a GM in hockey in the NHL who's black or woman. We don't, we never have had one in 104 seasons. We've had one black head coach in NHL one in 104 years. Their grandma's the only one and there's no black head coach since like that's embarrassing. Yeah. And it's, it's incredible that we're like, Oh, it's so amazing that like Cami Granado is the first NHL scout who's a woman. It's 2021. Like <laughs> it's 2021 and she's a legend. And yeah. somehow she's the first. Like that it just it blows my mind. And uh, and Blake Bolden, she works in LA as well too, the Kings. And it's like these are gold medalists. These are accomplished players. And they're just now getting jobs in NHL friends. Like Haley Wickenheiser. Could be a head coach. Let me correct myself. Dr. Wickenheiser. If she yeah. wanted to, she'd probably be a head coach. Yeah. But, but there's still going to be people who are going to say, oh, what does she know about men's hockey? What does she know about coaching men? Someone once told me about Hillary Wickenheiser, like, what would she know about men's hockey? I quickly told that person, go on Hockey DB and check out when she played in Finland and scored a goal in men's hockey. More than you. She played more men's hockey. She has played more men's pro hockey than the average person on Twitter has. So shut up. Exactly. I just, and like the guys who are always like, oh, well, like the women's team can't even beat a midget team. And it's like, okay, well, like you're literally sitting on your keyboard. Like she's played more professional hockey than you have. Right. 
Like you can say that all you want, but like the reality is that hasn't happened in years. Like you're going off of examples that happened like 10 years ago. And just tell me you don't watch women's hockey without telling me. It's like people who, who like to compare women's soccer when the U.S. women's national soccer team lost to a high school team. It's like, oh, see, this is why the women's team shouldn't get the same equal pay as the men's teams. What? So that's the reason why you should continue being sexist. Like, that is such an ignorant comment to say. It's also like circular reasoning, right? Like, have you considered that if women's, women's sports received as much investment as men's from as early of an age onwards? Mm-hmm and they didn't have to work full-time jobs in addition to playing professional sports. Like that's a lot of hours spent practicing and getting paid to play sports rather than working a full-time job and playing sports on the side professionally. Like that you can't, you can't just be like, Oh, they're just not as good. When, when in fact the time and training that goes into being a women's professional athlete versus men's is a totally different structure. Yeah. It is, it is very true. And that goes, they go to so many sports. It goes to, you know, women's players have part-time jobs. It goes to basketball. Like you've seen WNBA, someone like Akia Nurse. She plays with the Phoenix, with the Phoenix Mercury, but then she has to go play in Australia to further sustain her career because yeah. the WNBA isn't enough for her to sustain her career as a pro basketball player. Like how many NBA players do we know have to go play overseas when their season is done because they're not making enough money? Doesn't happen. I'm blowing. But yet people are still out here questioning it. And having the nerve to say, you know, women's hockey isn't real. Women's hockey isn't this, that, or third, when they would not last one shift playing in the PHF. Yeah, no, absolutely not. No, it is. It is ridiculous, Sam. We're going to ask you to go back to the broadcast for a minute here. Uh, one thing that what I thought was so cool is that you've got NHL team support. And one of the coolest moments in the show was um, you've had Teller Mott on the podcast before. You've had Michaela and Adam Godek. And you had uh, Mark Borgeski and Roman Yossi jumping on. So like, what are the, how cool is it to have NHL teams, NHL players coming on the podcast before? It is, it's pretty cool. Um, we try to, we were pretty nervous about Yossi and Borbietsky because it, those were like the biggest names we'd had. Um, but somebody, one of the sports writers said to me, you know, at the end of the day, they're just guys True. and you're probably better educated on some of these issues that you want to talk to them about than they are. And I was like, that's, a pretty interesting perspective and like you know I think we tend to people it's funny because people say like oh you guys aren't fans it's like we are fans like we get excited when we get these big names on the podcast like it's fun to get to talk to talk to NHL players but um I think what's what I've been grateful for for the people who have come on is their willingness to talk about harder topics like we're not have like you know we do the lighter topics we've asked about like oh if somebody gets traded, like what happens? Do they get kicked out of the group chat? Like we, we <laughs> ask those kinds of more sports related questions, but I've been, I think we've been very grateful that, you know, Tyler Mott came on and spoke very, very honestly about um, his advocacy for mental health awareness um, and was, you know, like genuinely very, very thoughtful and articulate about it. Um, Roman Yossi and Mark Borowiecki came on, the Preds actually offered to have them come on um, because kind of around this time last year, we were dealing with a lot of uh, harassment, especially Georgia. And they reached out and said, you know, we kind of, we want, we'd like to have them on as a show of support, um, which we really appreciated because it was, it was the first time we didn't have to ask for someone. Um, And, you know, I think it's hard to find an NHLer who's given more thought to 
changing hockey culture and and being kind of unafraid to use his platform to call out the kind of conformity um, and shittier aspects of hockey culture than Mark Borowiecki. Like he was incredibly thoughtful, incredibly well-spoken, had clearly given a lot of thought to some of the topics we talked about. Um, and, you know, it, it was really cool to see that. Like it's, it would be great to see more guys like Mark Borowiecki. No, I agree. Definitely. He's been very vocal, very outspoken about a lot of issues in the hockey world. I was, it was a fun discussion. It was a fun debate. And I think one of the, one of the funniest things about that um, discussion was you opened Roman Yossi years ago, as many people know, did an NHLPA um, quiz where he said he had never read a book. Before. You showed him that answer and grilled him on that. What I thought was incredibly funny. Well, he started talking about like books he had enjoyed reading. And we were like, you said you didn't read books. And he actually didn't remember. He like did not recall that quiz. And so we had to pull it up and show it to him. <laughs> but it was How many funny. people would really, no many people would say, oh, you didn't read a book? Here, let me show you this quiz you, you didn't read a book. I say before in our Zone Time group chat, you always bring receipts no matter who it is <laughs> or what day. You always have receipts ready. He was a really good sport about it. That's awesome. That That is amazing. A couple more for you here, Sam. I do talk to you about just like hockey culture. And one thing I think has just been so silly is the NHL and the, the dress code thing. And some teams have gone away from it. Some teams are still very hard up on dress code. Now, my, my one thing with dress code is this. Let the guys mix it up like, Anything but pajamas. I'm very much right now really saying, hey, wear what you want as long as you're not leaving your house in your pajamas. If you come to the rink in your PJs, go back home and change. That's not happening. <laughs> this is coming from, from a man who like sits at home in his jeans though. Like you don't even wear pajamas at home. You wear I'm jeans. I'm wearing jeans right now. <laughs> yeah. You've got, you, you've got like pajama jeans, like home <laughs> jeans and out jeans. Yeah, I'm one of the few guys who actually during COVID times. I'm probably one of the few people during the height of COVID who showered every day and put a button-up shirt on to work at home. Did <laughs> <laughs> you have a routine? Exactly. Yeah, but when I saw, like, I saw the Leafs when they felt the dress code, like, they weren't, they weren't anything bad. Like, they were still wearing decent things to wear to the rink. Yeah. Like, they were still wearing shirts and actual fashionable shorts and good pants and clean jeans. Like, uh, but- I mean, the thing I, about it that I don't understand is what difference does it make? <laughs> like, sorry, you've, you've worn suits for the last, however many years that you've exited in the first round. So clearly it's like the suits are not helping your on ice game. So why don't you just let them wear what they want to wear? Maybe that'll be the difference maker. I don't know. Like who knows? You know, I look at fashion in basketball in the WNBA and the NBA, they have tunnel walk pages that show off what these players wear the courts every single day because they're so stylish, which is a good thing. Yeah. But the NHL is still, it feels Serge Ibaka and his scarves. Yeah, those are amazing. Like, I just, I just could imagine if HL player came with what Serge Ibaka would wear. Like, the old school minds would like. Could you imagine if a certain uh, man whose last name is about a small fruit was still on TV talking about that? But it, it <laughs> like, it, it just, it's so irritating because that's one really easy way to market players. Yeah. And they just, they won't do it. Like they just have no interest in letting people be individuals. What's the harm? Like we saw so much with um, PK, how was evolution? And PK, you know what, to his credit, he has not backed down. He is still saying, I'm this individual, you can't break me. But like, if hockey wants to go to the 21st century, we gotta stop with this. Oh, you know, it's all about the name on the front, not the name on the back. Yes, that should have died 45 years ago. Who does it help? And then these same people wanna ask why the NHL number are lagging behind in some markets, NASCAR and MLS. It just, it's, 
it feels like such an obvious answer and they just won't like it's such a it's such a hallmark of hockey culture for everything to be the same and to not stand out other than like on the ice because otherwise you're a distraction and it's you know I think that I think it's a really toxic mentality I think that it's that type of thinking that you know it's not that huge of a stretch to see that leading to the the idea that you know, we can't have a distraction by reporting the Kyle Beach incident because, you know, we might never make it this far in the playoffs again. This idea that like, you have to put aside every, everything about yourself so that the team can win. I think that's ridiculous. Like it's gone way, way too far. Yeah. And you you mentioned the Kyle Beach story and hockey culture is about so much about, you know, we're a band of brothers. We're brothers. We're family. Your brother here was sexually abused, someone who you're supposed to care about, like family, like, a, but here he was sexually assaulted and you put his safety behind winning a Stanley Cup and you covered it up. And like, I firmly believe, Sam, that Joel Quenville didn't deserve the honor of being, of stepping down. He should have been fired. And I will be very pissed off. And I will be very pissed off if he coaches again in this league. He doesn't deserve, it's a privilege. It is a privilege. Just like, I don't want to hear about Bill Peters being rumored for a coaching job or getting one again in North America after we learned about his racism towards Akeem Aliyu. These guys should never been deserved the privilege of stepping down or coaching for years later. I know there has not been a, a formal NHL ban in some 20 years, but it should happen here for Quenville. I really feel it should have. And Stan Bowman as well. I agree. Like I, And the Blackhawks being fined $2 million, I said before in different podcasts, that was a no- nothing fine. I'll sit here and say, a much stronger and better punishment would have been to ban the Blackhawks from the 2022 draft and the first three to five rounds of 2023. That would have way more impact than removing titles from their history. That would be a lesson to any other team. You cover it up again and you'll get the same thing plus more, I feel. Yeah, I I totally agree. And, you know, there are people who say, there are people who are like, well, then you're punishing players who weren't even involved and like, that's not fair. It's like, no, it's, it's an organizational punishment. That's, you know, like punishment isn't always about retribution. It's also about deterrence. Yeah, absolutely. And unless you make an example of someone, it's not going to happen. No. And this, this, like, this was an absolute slap on the wrist. Exactly. Like great examples all around would point out that the coyotes got to find more for the legal workout, which is like, yeah. All right. So Sam, before I let you go, um, this is an issue that people like, I, I half laugh, half roll my eyes at, but the whole idea of game management, how much does it suck? Because we got stars out here who are basically, you know, tripped, tackled, and no penalties are being called. Because there's the whole mantra of let the guys play and not let the game be determined by power plays too much, which I think is silly. I just couldn't imagine in, say, the NBA, where it's kind of playoffs now and the officiating changes so that there's less fouls on guys like Steph Curry, LeBron, or Giannis, and you're allowed to now tackle them or hit them with a steel chair and that's all good. How does watching your star players get mauled night in, night out when the postseason comes? Who does that help? How does that help your game grow? No one, it just, it infuriates (laughs) everyone. Like, you know, you want to talk about, I appreciate that abusive officials is a pervasive problem, especially in minor leagues and like grassroots hockey. But I think hockey's entire mentality towards referees is largely driven by the ineptitude of NHL referees. (laughs) 
on game management. Like, I don't think you can actually separate that. I, I agree that hockey parents totally out of control have gotten yeah, totally insane. Are. Don't abuse like teenage refs who are volunteering. Mm-hmm. But it's something that like, you know, when you have arenas at NHL games chanting ref, you suck because you called Yaroslav Halak for tripping Ryan Getzloff when he literally didn't touch him and Getzloff gets up laughing. Like there's a degree of incompetence here and like, it's fine. I get that the game is fast. Things get yeah. missed, but there's no accountability. Like you don't get to talk to the refs. There's no game reports. You don't find out like, you don't find out what continuing education measures happen to like make referees better. Right. And there's just, there's no transparency and they don't care about it. And it's the same with the department of player safety, where you can't predict with any kind of certainty, what kind of action gets, what kind of suspension or fine or nothing. And like at that point, what's the point of the rule book? Just throw it out. Right. If you're not going to call the rule book according to the rule book, it's a waste of everyone's time. All right. So Sam, I got to thank you for doing Avery Sports Show for the second time officially. So where can the fine folks find you on social media? Uh, I'm at SamanthaCP underscore. Nice. Awesome. We got to do this again sometime, Sam. Appreciate it. Yeah. Anytime. Bye.